Welcome to Wisdom at the Crossroads. I'm your host, Amanda Onchalenko, and I'm excited to invite you into my studio practice remotely. Together, let's pause the rhythm of the day as we dive into the backstories of an artistic life, my life, exploring lessons learned through creativity and inspiration. So get yourself a beverage and let's settle in for a short while as we reflect on how some of my favourite paintings have evolved and what wisdom I have found at the crossroads where action and presence meet. This week on the podcast, I want to introduce you to some pet portraits. If you have or have had a pet, you know how much you have loved them and how grateful you are to receive their wagging tails or bounding paws or to be weighed down by their purring heartbeats at the end of the day. We have just mourned our 150-year-old Miss Addie cat, who happened to be the most expensive free cat anyone has ever owned. Let's just say her expenses started with three couches, but we miss her tyrant ways and her work-at-home pandemic antics. I don't often do pet portraits, and I have actually enforced the disclaimer to recipients in the past who have either received a pet portrait as a fun gift, in trade for Persian rug, or maybe even successfully twisted my arm to convince me to do one for them. Not to tell anyone, it came from me. Don't get me wrong, I love our fur friends and yours. I just don't want to do their portraits all the time. Today, though, I am making an exception and sharing the story of a little lino block print I made as a demonstration piece way back in 1990. It has hung in our living room since then because it features the cheeky cat brothers Rylands and Fletcher, who beyond sad the Australian feral cat who befriended me when I had a cast to my hip. That's another story for another day. Rise and Fletch were my very first cat friends. They trained me to be a cat person. These two tiggers adopted me when I became a thing with their person. They were named after a legal tort that means, basically, the landowner is responsible for items that escape from their property. Rylands wore a black tuxedo with a little white bow tie and had a single white toe, while Fletcher was the consummate tabby with the personality to match. The story starts off a bit like a fairy tale, as in, once upon a time, I found myself in London, England, at the beginning of a school year. I was looking to earn a living so I could continue travelling through the wonders of art history I had learned and loved. I'd spent the previous summer on a side trip to Canada with my now husband, who had followed me through European art museums the previous spring, feigning an interest in art while he was seriously wooing me. In the middle of Canada that year was where I met the subjects of this art print. I was able to live and work in the UK thanks to my English grandparents and I relished the opportunity to do so. I worked at two high schools in the London borough of Brent, splitting my time between Wembley and Kingsbury high schools. Getting those jobs was a miracle, given the job interview. I don't know if you have any memorable job interview stories. As I was sharing my first draft of this episode with my husband, he said, I hadn't heard that story, hun. In the 30 plus years we have been together, and I was not surprised that I had buried this one. At the time, I was travelling with my minimalist wardrobe in a backpack. I had exactly one dressy interview-appropriate outfit, a calf-length full-circle linen skirt and blazer, which, by the way, were fabulous, but they did take a considerable effort to iron. Imagine, then, one tube ride through the inner city of London, England, to Kingsbury, which was down the line a bit and a walk across a beautiful, lush green park that became an appendix to the school's expansive grounds. Stunning, right? 
It was the quintessential beautiful and quaint English postcard, except for the pouring rain. Actually, pouring doesn't quite describe the scene. It was more like a deluge that erupted as I set off across that park after the train ride. I was then the nervous yet optimistic Aussie without an umbrella. Remember the two key words here, linen and deluge. Bless the administrator and Nima Ferguson, head of the art department, who both sat curiously across from this literally dripping candidate. I must have looked like Fletcher the tabby cat, fresh from a dip in the Thames. I got the job, miraculously, and was excited to embark on an ambitious printmaking project with some of my classes. In art school, I had double majored in painting and printmaking, but had dropped the printmaking and its oil-based inks and paint thinners as they didn't agree with my sensitive system. It was too bad because I loved the results, but not the migraines. I did teach colour reduction block printing to my junior high art students, though, and they rose to the challenge of the occasion using the much greener, water-based version of printing inks. Lino block prints are not reproductions, but are instead a method of producing consistent multiples in small batches. You might have seen a signed print with a title and signature as well as a fraction at the bottom of the image. The process retains an element of the handmade. Producing them involves thinking about one colour at a time and can be quite a complex process. I was always proud of my young students in Australia at Holder High School, which, side note, burned to the ground in a terrible bushfire season some years ago where some of these examples had proudly hung. Carving a lino tile involves the removal of the surface with a carving tool, rolling ink onto the surface that remains with a roller, and running the paper and the inked tile through a press that lifts the ink off the tile and transfers it in reverse onto the paper. Fine art prints are printed in additions. For example, an addition of 10 would mean 10 impressions of the same block after what was to remain white was removed. Next, the areas that are the next lightest colour are cut away and the block is inked in, say, yellow, and those same 10 sheets are aligned and printed with the yellow. The process is cumulative and continues with the artist thinking and planning one colour at a time, carefully registering each page before the next colour is added. A black and white print is a good way to get acquainted with the process. A four-colour reduction print is quite an accomplishment for 13 and 14-year-olds. I was often amazed at the beautiful pieces kids produced and found kids will rise to our expectations. It's amazing what creative challenges students will meet when we show them we have faith in them and their ideas. Completing their additions continued into some industrious lunch and recess breaks as the activity consumed their teenage focus and grounded them in creative presence. At Kingsbury High School, fresh from my Canadian interlude, I had a couple of snapshots of my fur friends, Rylance and Fletcher, that I used as the starting point for my example with the help of a photocopier and some carbon paper. Lino tools are sharp. One of the first lessons is always to cut away from yourself. We don't want anyone bleeding in the classroom but band-aids are always a good insurance policy. The process of cutting a block for printing is reductive, which also means when we make a mistake and inadvertently cut something away that we need it to print, there is no longer an opportunity to create a mark in that space with the ink. In my example, I was chatting while demonstrating one of the last layers and got to demonstrate humility in explaining I had just cut off a crucial outline I needed for the final colour. Oops, sorry, now I have a cat with no tail. This little block print of the brothers Rylands and Fletcher is a souvenir of both my time in London and the memories of that first Canadian summer being wooed by my now husband. It is also a reminder of the power of our pets and their endearing way of wriggling into our souls with reciprocal, unconditional devotion.
So what are some of the takeaways from today's backstory? For me, I have a new rule. Go and buy an umbrella, even if it is destined to be left on a train. The umbrella is key. Linen is not the best choice for a job interview outfit. And never underestimate the power of creativity, especially in the young. And find fun and creative ways to keep our memories close at hand. Our pet friends in Canada are as eager to get outside as we are, especially after a long winter. Today, let's dedicate some time to reflection in our meditative practice with our pets in mind. Find yourself a comfortable spot, seated or reclined, and supported if necessary. Focus a few moments on your breath as you remove yourself from the activity of your day to be still for just a little while. Close your eyes as you focus on the rhythm of your breath. Breathing in and breathing out. Try to remember to breathe fully in and to exhale every last crumb from the belly before doing that again at your own rhythm. Imagine your ribs as if they were Tweety Bird's Victorian birdcage expanding into a wide, round frame as you breathe fully in. See that birdcage frame compress like a cinched waist as you exhale fully out. Remember, to simply be you, breathing at your own pace, yet aware of fully enunciating the process. With my eyes closed and my body relaxed, I feel the action of gravity on my limbs lessen as I focus on the breath. I see my feet taking steps and walking and soon realize I am walking through a field of new grass. I have no predetermined direction to this stroll, but I am comforted by the potential that exists around me on a lovely early summer day. The grass is fresh and getting longer, but it still has the softness of uncut growth at the beginning of a new season. There is a kind of freedom that comes with this time of year. Weightlessness, a sense of dreaming, and those feelings accompany us on this virtual stroll as we physically rest. It's good to make note that in any journey, real or imagined, we are always in charge of the narrative. In this practice today, I am merely offering you the invitation to reflect on some of the moments spent in the company of fur friends that you might not have recalled with all the balls you juggle in the air every day. Let's imagine these few minutes to be an opportunity to return to brief moments of joy we once experienced in the company or vicinity of our fur, feathered or even scaled family and the lessons those joyful interactions 
might have inspired. Up ahead in the grass, I hear movement and see the grass shimmy. The outline of my first pet is lolling lazily but excitedly towards me. I'm smiling now as I remember Lisa, the tan sausage dog, waddling on her little brown toes. Her barrel-shaped body slows to be patted and we meet up after so many years. Who was the first pet you knew or owned? Do you see them scuttling through the new grass towards you? Do you remember their joy in seeing you and yours in spending time with them? I invite you to excavate some of the joy you shared together right now. Take a moment to embrace your once upon a pet and thank them for the joy they brought to your younger self. Can you think of one thing they taught you? Think about the lessons they shared, their unconditional love, their warmth and exuberance, their reliable presence. Enjoy your acquaintance before your pet carries on their way with a knowing grin. As you look up and continue your stroll, you see the grassy meadow incline gently ahead. Another pet you have once known is making their way towards you. It could be your own pet, or if you were not a pet owner, it might have been the pet you had always wanted, but circumstances didn't allow it at the time. Or it could be the pet of a friend or family member with whom you had a connection. My sister had a chicken named Stella who thought she was a dog and who spent her afternoons guarding the driveway to the farm and playing chicken with her herding dog friends. She was a character. This pet is excited to find themselves at your feet and is looking up at you longingly. Our pets accompany us on chapters in our journey. What joy is this pet showing you? Let yourself flow with the imagery your memories are furnishing. Notice the images. Notice what you see and experience. Allow yourself to wander along with them as they remind you of earlier unhurried times. You share a further moment with this fur friend and are grateful to reconnect. What does this renewed presence inspire? When I think of our pet Miss Adelaide, who has recently crossed the Rainbow Bridge, I imagine her in an eternal spring as the young mischievous kitty she once was, reclined and relaxed in an active garden where she is entertaining herself with the action of chipmunks at work, birds flitting in the lawn gathering up materials for their nests and beetles and butterflies flipping around nearby. She is soaking up the warm rays of sunshine and playing tricks on her heavenly pet friends and furry siblings. Take as much time as you are able today to reflect on the unconditional love you were gifted in the presence of your once-upon-a-fur friends. Maybe you will invite your long-ago pet friends to accompany you into the rest of your day to continue reflecting on the gifts of time well spent in each other's presence. If you are currently a pet owner, maybe you can spend some extra time engaging with your pet outside on a walk or just being present together 
before you step fully back into the action of the rest of your day. Be well and be inspired by the warmth and unconditional attention of your pets. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're able to find something that resonated for you as we journeyed through the backstories of art, life and inspiration together. Watch for new episodes to drop weekly on Tuesdays. I'll meet you there with your morning coffee or afternoon tea as we gather in my studio remotely. Unless, of course, you knock on my door or pop into my messages. Find me on Instagram at mandartcanada or on my website www.mandart.ca where you'll find show notes and images of the artworks we discuss on the podcast in the blog. Feel free to bring a friend or reach out with your questions or comments. I would love to hear from you. In the meantime, I will look forward to joining with you again as we seek wisdom at the crossroads where action and presence meet. Take care. Bye now.